My name's Sam Towns. I'm Zach Nesbitt. And I'm Ben. That's it. We have Ben from the Pocket Forge here with us, and Zach is finally back. But before we get to that, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. This episode is stuffing your stockings thanks to the festive crew at Nordic Edge, where you can get all of your blacksmithing and bladesmithing supplies of belts, tools, and superior steels like Apex Ultra, Damascus billets, and more. Don't forget to take advantage of their Christmas deals running over the holidays. So make sure to visit their easy-to-use website. You know it. You need it. NordicEdge.com.au Yeah, so welcome back, Zach, and thank you for joining us, Ben. Thank you for having me. Good to be back. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll, we'll swing around to you in a minute, Ben, but uh, let's catch up with Zach first. What have you been up to in your intervening month that you've been away? <laughs> well, there has been so much going on. Um, <laughs> pretty much, the I'll skip to the chase of being the reason for my absence, um, was unfortunately I had a few uh, health issues arise on me out of the blue uh involving my blood pressure and my old ticker which has been a bit of a hereditary disease that's been handed down thanks dad um but yes so those things came up and had to go and uh, get them all sussed out and uh so yeah uh, which unfortunately meant the return of being medicated uh which i hadn't been for quite some time to uh, to manage all of that but uh that was a bit of a stress because i was quite proud of that but uh, unfortunately, as it happens, getting older, you have to start accepting help where you can get it. So uh, taking care of that, um, which, yeah, unfortunately, when, when you're on it, it just destroys your mind and, your, and, and like your body at the time to try and get used to it. It takes a couple of weeks and it's, it's not really fun on a roller coaster. So I'm not great company. Um, so I thought <laughs> I'll just manage and uh, focus on the work, get used to it, power through, get into a routine, and uh, and try and you know beat the make the best of a uh, bad situation. So that's been going pretty well uh, over the last couple of weeks now, um, getting on track, which is good, uh, and also catching up with a lot of work, which is fantastic. So hitting all them goals, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, well, I mean, people have been uh, keep keeping up with my story for the most part when I have been posting. Um, so thank you for that. And thanks for all the support. It's been wonderful. Um, but yeah, I've just been pretty much getting ready for the last market of the year coming up um, this weekend, actually. <laughs> mm. It'll be the, the weekend after we post this episode. The weekend of, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I've had a few interesting commissions come through the door in those times as yeah. well um i, I think so, i sent a couple of those your way <laughs> quite possibly quite yeah. possibly I, i'm not sure which ones um uh, so the trellis i think was one that uh yeah, those garden like, trellises yeah, yeah. I, I, I was like hey he was like hey you, you make trellises i'm like no uh, i know a guy who does though <laughs> So my first time making trellises, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they turned out pretty good. I was, I was quite oh, yeah, happy with good. those. Um, and, and the bonus out of doing that sort of stuff is that I get some extra jigs 
um because mm. i make new tooling so happy days uh, and i'll go back and i'll make some more of those because i was definitely inspired after i finished up a couple of them um i really wanted to just finish them and do all of the <laughs> stuff that i do but he wanted them raw so he could paint them i think there's a theme or something there's a bigger plan involved so yeah, yeah. um but yeah so i've done that and i'm also working on this this is a really odd one is it it's an old vintage brickwork like brick jointing tool um right. i've never seen one before i haven't posted any video or postage or footage of it yet I, I've, I've got a few pictures that i've uh, got a rough forging of but i'll post them up before this episode airs so you can so you can see what i'm talking about when this will make sense um but it's it's a weird looking tool so i've actually forged it out of a railroad spike as hmm. as i do of course as you do. <laughs> um but it's coming along pretty well so it's very interesting sort of working from a photo with no clear dimensions and the person that wants it doesn't have that information either and i can't find it anywhere on the internet so it's been a it's been a challenge but it's fun so i, I like problems to solve <laughs> um what else have i been up to i've done a whole batch of knives as well honing it all in for the perth knife yep. show upcoming next I, year i did like that uh, like montage of knives you did recently <laughs> that was great that's that's the product of being up really really late at night and uh, can't sleep. Um, so that that's thanks to the medication. Uh -huh. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I jumped on TikTok and thought oh, I have a crap ton of photos of the I haven't shared yet. So and there you go. <laughs> yep, that worked out well. Fair enough. But um, no, the, the the I'm looking forward to the Perth uh, knife show as well. Um, like in between workshops that I've been running over the over the weeks and that I've been thinking about, it's in the back of my mind. And I know I'm looking forward to going because I know that uh, one of the other makers in Perth is is also doing a Star Wars related build. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm very intrigued to see how it is because we've been sort of hinting at things but we haven't been t showing too much so I'm, I'm looking forward to that that unfolding on the day um <laughs> it'll be good fun yeah, um good. but that that pretty much catches me up for all of that time um mm. everything that you can you, you'd be able to see on the story if i've forgotten anything or uh, on my post but um yeah just been just keeping on keeping on really but um i do have a song that's been that's been pretty cool that I've been listening to and I, there's not really much that I can say about it because I don't know much about the band and on Spotify mm. the, the the profile is sort of written in a jokey way so it's <laughs> it's sort of a bit of truth and then a bit of shit at the same time so it just always makes me think of that meme you know sometimes maybe good sometimes maybe shit so you just <laughs> don't know what it is um but <laughs> the bear the, the 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 sorry the the name of the band is called bear ghost and the song is called necromance and dancing um <laughs> and it's a bop it's a good it's a good vibe in in the shop so <laughs> that rhymed um unintentional pun but uh yeah it was really good and it was helpful so yeah that that'll be a song that got me through quite a bit check it out Excellent. i reckon you'll like it but how about you sam i've been keeping up with a little bit here and there oh i'm What's sick of last this. week been looking like <laughs> you sick of what <laughs> i'm sick of this um yeah yeah sorry about the tip on that one eh? yeah that's all right <laughs> i got it so um i'm not sure if this was before no it was yeah it was it was before this episode because i didn't record one last week um but uh yeah 
I put out, I've been doing a bunch of practice forging uh, to get my hammer eye back in after I kind of, uh, you know, took a, a, a while off after I moved. And um, I kept putting out to the, the, the greater, you know, kind of community, hey, what should I practice forging? And someone who I've looked up for, to for literally a decade um, just happened to post what I thought was like a troll suggestion of like, Forge a bronze sickle. And I was kind of like, <laughs> the first time this man Challenge is accepted. With, yeah. The, the first time this man is, is interacting with my content and he's trolling me. Uh, and then, <laughs> of course, I think it was Alex that pointed out, he's like, maybe it's not a troll. You, you know, Peter, like this could be him just being real. And so I was kind of like, okay. So I responded going, hey, you know, like that sounds like a great challenge. And then we immediately like lit into this like paragraphs long conversation about the importance <laughs> of sickles in history and, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, he's like dead serious. He wants me to oh, watch yeah. this bronze sickle. Yep. So I'm immediately like, okay, That's cool. That's a challenge right I am, there. I am now a sicklesmith. <laughs> this is what I do like with my day. So in the past like week I've forged I think four sickles, five sickles, something like that. I forged like a practice one out of exactly the same size stock as I had of the 95810 aluminium bronze that I knew I was going to use for the uh for their bronze sickle challenge. Um <laughs> I, I had a, a piece of that, so I used a piece of steel the exact same size to try and figure out how I was gonna do it. It didn't go anything like that when I actually went to the bronze because anyone Wonderful. who's forged anyone who's forged bronze knows that it's incredibly finicky um, and it does not like to be bent. You have to bend it really slowly. And I was in a rush towards the end of the, <laughs> towards the end of it. And I was kind of like eh, yanking it out of the forge and stuff. And I ended up yanking it so hard I broke three inches of the tip off. Um, I also snapped the tang off at the originally it was going to be an integral, but I snapped the tang off at the the uh, integral transition. So it became a, a just a full like just a, a straight like ricasso to to sickle shape. It came out alright. Like it's, I've got it sitting in front of me. It's currently uh, mirror polished, ready for you know like Ooh, doing inspirations nice. and nice. stuff. But yeah. So after that, I ended up forging a troll cunning forge style hedge witch, you know, the, the really like sharp right angle uh, circular thing. It was great. I, I had great fun doing that. Uh, and I had a good chat with Marcus afterwards kind of going, yes, this is going to be an absolute nightmare to grind. Why did I do this? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, so, I, I'm not even going to try and attempt one of those until I have a some, somewhat of a small wheel attachment or something like yeah. that, because it's just, I, I'm like, I'm always up for challenges, but nah, nah. Yeah. Like I, so like I fuck that. <laughs> yeah no i messaged him and i was kind of like you know he, he was like oh yeah grinding them is the most painful experience uh my suggestion is one inch wide belt slack platen just like no 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 platen just one inch wide belt and just do it on the slack okay. uh, and i was kind of like fair enough yep that sounds fucking terrifying because like the moment the, edge grabs that, <laughs> moment the edge grabs that it's gone uh so i'm going to attempt to do it the way i've done all of my uh, internal like uh, internal curve grinds, which is I'm going to lay my grinder horizontal, which I have the ability to do, and I'm going to use a, a three inch contact wheel sideways to to grind that, uh, which is how I've done like a karambit with um, yeah. you know that hooked blade and stuff. So, and that's how also I did the the bronze sickle. So hopefully, hopefully it'll come out all right. We'll see. I mean, it was only a chess piece anyway. 
Um, but yeah, other than that, I've been, I finally opened up classes again. I'm starting to do classes again. I saw. Yeah, I've got my first one. The other day. Yeah, the first uh, one I've got booked is actually coming, uh, will be when this episode comes out. So, Oh, um, excellent. Yeah, so that's that's good. I, it was kind of a, a necessity because I'm trying to save up to buy a table at Perth Night Show. And if I, can't, <laughs> if I don't have enough money to buy the table at Perth Night Show, I'm not going. So, um, Because, you know, it, Perth Night Show is kind of important. I really like Perth Night Show. Um, well, it's more than just a, a sales event. It's an experience and it's a, it's a community get-together. It's, it's that's sort it. of like our, our Comic-Con, really. <laughs> yeah, it, it literally is. Like, it, it's a once-a-year kind of Christmas for Bladesmiths. That's it. Um, I do have to work on stuff to put on the table because at the moment I have literally nothing uh, to put on the table. So, uh, like, I've got a month and a half to try and prepare you know, tables worth of stuff. Hex hawks and even. If I had the hex material, I would, but I don't have any more hex material and Mm. I'd have to make my own, which I don't have the material to make my own. So what do you normally use? Preston's still in pieces. Um, I actually had a large stock given to me of uh, 32 mil hex um, 1070 by a friend of mine uh, who mm. used to work for a mining company who they used to use that stock to make like jackhammer bits and stuff. Um, but unfortunately he no longer works at that company and uh, you know, nowhere else sells that stock anywhere. Shame. So, yeah. Always those mates um, in high places sometimes. <laughs> it does pay to know the right people. It does. Um, but yeah, like so I, I've got a bunch of stuff that I can work on and Preston's still in pieces. So I can't really do a lot of hammer work or anything like that either making hammers uh i've also got to be very aware of my shoulder if i screw myself then i'm you know i'm not helping anything mm. um but you know i've got a lot going on i the the you know regular update of what's going on with the viking sword um i have I started say, we're, we're almost due <laughs> i hope yeah. you've been keeping up with it while i've been away <laughs> oh yeah 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 no i um so i've started the engraving for the inlay um beautiful on the upper guard i'm hoping to have it ready for perth knife show because it's going to be a centerpiece for the table so um, that is my plan we shall see if i get there <laughs> i have faith i have faith yeah <laughs> you're the only one um <laughs> <laughs> come on sam you got this yeah but anyway, with that being said, my song of the week this week uh, is one from a band that I've already uh, put on the playlist before. Um, they are kind of like a folk bluegrass Did you band. find them on TikTok? I didn't. I found them on Instagram. Um, yes, I found them on Instagram Reels. There we go. <laughs> uh, there, is a, there is a song on TikTok that I do want to add to the playlist, but I'm waiting for it to be posted to Spotify. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait for that one. But um, for now, it's by the band Top House, uh, who sung the Mountain Song, which is already on the playlist. Amazing song. Love that, that song. But uh, the other song that I'd like to put on there is one that I've been listening to a lot lately on my new playlist that I've been uh, putting together. It's called Number One. Uh, and I just love the feel that Top House has. They're very, like, upbeat, hopeful bluegrass folk music it's a really nice vibe compared to the dull and dreary stuff that i occasionally find myself like settling into (laughs) 
you know, got to bring myself out of that funk somehow. Uh, there's always got to be something to get you out. And, and that's why um, music is such an emotional roller coaster. sometimes. You know, you get the angry music that makes you yeah. just smash out a whole bunch of work and just get her done. And then you have the other stuff that makes you feel a few things and, you know, whatnot. But, yeah. I suggest to, I suggest to people at one time or another to listen to the Forgecast playlist on, <laughs> on Shuffle because you'll go from, like, country to sh- sea shanties, to jazz metal, yeah. to like just straight up metal, to opera, to renaissance, like fucking Beethoven. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Oh, and I haven't even, like- I haven't, I've only, I've only just barely touched on the sort of show tunes things. I haven't gone yeah. into the theater, theater <laughs> side of things yet either. Oh, there's, there's a couple of theater <laughs> tunes already. On oh yeah, already. there is, there is. I, I, I'm looking forward to expanding on that a little bit more too. <laughs> But anyway, that's enough about us. We have an awesome guest with us today who I've been looking we forward do. to having on the show for a while. We do. Uh, ben, thank you very much for joining us, man. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so um, for those of our listeners who don't know who you are, could you just give us a bit of a rundown on who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, I'm a miniature blacksmith. Uh, I'm a fairly <laughs> average-sized human, um, but everything I make, with a few exceptions, tends to be kind of one-sixth scale. So um, basically, it all came around. Um, I mean, starting right at the beginning, um, I was five, and I met Father Christmas at one of those uh, you know, Santa's hmm. Grotto things, and um, he asked what I wanted for Christmas, and I said a sword, obviously. Um, and the <laughs> answer I got was straight up was, no, you can't have a sword, you're a child. Um, and yeah so from that day i became obsessed with swords of course um so got to the point where i figured i i I do need a sword of course i need a sword Mm. um but not yeah not some horrible wall hanger type you know kind of mole ninja thing i I need a proper sword forged Mm -hmm. by masculine hands or feminine hands i'm not picky but um then realizing (laughs) um they they, they do cost money so um Mm. i looked at it and thought i looked at a few videos on how swords are made and uh it was the man at arms videos um (laughs) obviously make it look incredibly easy and i thought to myself (laughs) I, i can do that so um um, I went on Amazon.com, which uh, very naughty, but I bought myself a um, butane chef's torch, the kind you'd use to, you know, creme brulee, yeah, brulee yeah. the cremes. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Easy. I mean, you, you put it in front of the metal for long enough. Yeah, you know, surely, surely that'll do it. Um, <laughs> you know, a pair of pliers, um, a tiny jeweler's anvil that was about the size of a matchstick. Um, mm. And I thought that was how I was going to try to get into it because uh i lived in like a you know shared house uh terrace houses i don't know if you have terrace houses out in australia but basically they're like boxes in, in a in row they're, they're tiny um yeah we, we have them mostly over in the eastern states zach and yeah. i live in the west so yeah. we actually we have, have freedom houses. and space um, <laughs> a little bit more <laughs> um but yeah so so the only way i could kind of do it without being evicted was to do everything very very small um mm. and um by the time i kind of figured out uh what i was doing um kind of keeping everything small was sort of became my little niche um and it, it was a hobby I was, I was sort of doing it in weekends and evenings um and you know that classic story of ruining a perfectly good hobby by turning it into a side business <laughs> uh, happened to me um oh, and that, cool. and that so carried real. on for about five or six years um and then back in may um i very fortunately got made redundant um and i thought hmm. to myself i could either you know, get another real job 
uh, speech marks. And or I could just <laughs> see if this works. And uh, yeah, so six months on Touchwood, um, it's kind of working out. So uh, lucky that I work uh, I work from home. Um, I've got a little workshop that my wife and I built at the foot of the garden. Um, and my life now is making tiny swords, going to you know markets and trade fairs across the country, doing little commissions. And uh, yeah, it's a good, uh, not particularly glamorous, but fun life. I like, yeah, no, I, 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 so, uh, for your reference, I'm not sure if you're aware that I used you as an inspiration on the show. Uh, we have a segment called inspiration of the week. Um, and so we just shout out a creator that's, you know, kind of caught our eye recently and, uh, your work came across, uh, my, my feed. Thanks to one of my followers, uh, Kat Van Forge, who makes a lot of miniatures yeah. herself. Um, who is also a hilarious human being. Yes. Chaos. Yes. <laughs> she, she is she exudes it, like crazy <laughs> goblin energy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the release of the Cat Van Forge diaries on Spotify, where it's just <laughs> daily thoughts or something like that, like she does on Instagram already, but it's just just audio and it's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm under I'm under a running theory that uh, Cat is actually just a several raccoons wearing a human suit. <laughs> she is my internal no, no, monologue. No, no, no. It's a whole bunch of ta- uh, cats cats taped together. That's what. Yeah, yeah, it's fair, fair, fair. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, like I immediately she sent me one of your videos. I think it was the one where you were panning through like a a diorama room of swords. Mm. And, um, you know, I got, I got completely kind of taken aback by it because I was thinking, oh yeah, swords, fair enough, cool. And then suddenly your fingers reached in to pull one out. I was like, oh, tiny swords. This is amazing. (laughs) Uh, Um, and for like everyone who listens to the show, they know that I'm a great fan of miniature things. I've made Mm -hmm. several miniature like hammers and tongs over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, so your, your work just really, uh, kind of really got me excited because I, I love the attention to detail that you have uh in Thank your you. work it's it's one thing to make miniature swords it's another thing to make miniature historical recreations of swords yeah. <laughs> I, I like um, the idea that they should in theory be functional so if you ever did get shrunk to a sixth of your size and your cat tries <laughs> to eat you you have a fighting chance yeah i mean like that's great it's also great for the mouse army that we're going to put together, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, there is a meme going around at the moment with a squirrel holding a katana. Um, and I've been, I'm count, I'm keeping count. I've had that been sent to me about six times so far this week. Yeah, I think, I think there's that one of like the squirrel dressed as the knight where it's like yeah, you swerve to feeder. avoid. Yeah, no, it's like you swerve to avoid a squirrel and then like at your time of your greatest need, the squirrel arrives. Uh. For, to a, <laughs> It's like a squirrel in like a full suit of armor with a sword. Um, but yeah, no, like uh, it, it's it's a really interesting because it's uncommon to see people taking that approach to bladesmithing. And I think uh, even more unique is that you do forge a lot of your stuff. Like you're not just kind of stock removing which like if i'm making miniatures that's pretty much the first place i go is like i'm just going to get a bar of steel that's the thinness that i need and uh, cut a it sword would be out quicker. Of it. like yeah but also it's just that extra level of cool and i love that you've integrated that part of your passion for the craft into I mean, I've got this, your work i've got this slightly like namby pamby kind of notion that 
handmade <laughs> objects kind of do have an identity and they sort of should know what they are and uh not yeah kind of um yeah kind of disparaging like stock removal items or anything like that but like i i like forged swords and i want a sword that i make to think yeah like, like buzz lightyear kind of thinking he is a real space yeah. ranger in toy story you know kind of mm. I, I want my swords kind of when they all squabble at night and they argue with the big you know kind of uh, sharpies and everything saying like, no we are we are swords we're just very petite yeah yeah <laughs> i mean how, i i you've probably heard the joke a million times but it's not the size it's how you use it Exactly. Um, yeah, <laughs> but Probably yeah, no. The slogan I... on the wall in the in the shop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's fun. It's I mean, I I got into this because I wanted to hit things with a hammer originally, and I think if I was hmm. to um, cut out you know, the forging aspect and it, it would it would save me a lot of time um, to get blanks to you know use stock removal. Um, but I feel like I'd, I'd be missing out on part of the journey that I actually really enjoy. And I think steel, um, yeah, it, it behaves the same, whether it's a six mil rod or if it's a massive leaf spring that you're beating down. Um, you have hmm. to work the heat slightly differently. Um, and I've started using a induction forge rather than a uh, coal. I mean, I started off my first um, one was obviously the butane torch. Uh, I then thought a bucket, uh, like, a, like a tin bucket of uh, charcoal. Um, yep. no, no, no air for the source or anything like that. I wasn't very clever. Um, <laughs> might work. It's fine. Yeah, in, in a garage with the door closed so the neighbors don't yeah. hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ah, I find it very, so very relaxing. I just feel very woozy. <laughs> someone um, hasn't listened to the Forgecast at all. <laughs> no, no, I'm very, I was just about to say, I'm very glad that you started listening because we do talk about that early on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and this was, I think, back in 2016 or something like that. So uh, it, it was a simpler time. Um, <laughs> then from there, I went to a, yeah, like a plumber's brazing torch. Uh, so at least I, I, I did the jump from butane um, to propane in, in a sense, um, basically with a, with a hollowed out fire brick. Um, went up to then a actual knife makers, you know, kind of cheap propane forge. Um, Actually, no, there was a step between there. I, I made a coal forge out of a bin lid mm. um, that was kind of <laughs> tied, like nice. almost like gaffer tape to a wheelbarrow, uh, which went about Wonderful. as well as you can imagine. Um, so <laughs> after going on that little journey, I've then discovered induction forging, um, mm. which is, yeah, it's, it's an absolute game changer for me, um, working in a tiny, uh, suitably tiny wooden built workshop. Um a, even the smallest propane forge will turn that into a sauna immediately mm. uh, and you come out yeah. looking like a coal miner um so <laughs> the lovely thing about the induction forge is uh, it's got this little copper coil you put your foot on a pedal um it beeps a couple of times and within about 10 15 seconds your piece is glowing um you know kind of white hot um and there's no ambient heat um which makes it just so much more efficient um, mm. The only weird thing is that having no ambient heat is the piece does cool down really quickly. Your anvil doesn't really get hot, uh, which it mm. wouldn't really anyway using yeah kind of uh, small stock. Um, mm. So having to manage your heat and keeping you know to constantly reheat between hits um, is the one thing that kind of makes it slightly different from full size uh, forging. Um, there, I, I do sometimes use a little kind of when I want to make tiny sword guards, um, ah, and yeah. I like to before I go onto the mill, I like to kind of use a drift or a punch to kind of get that tang slot um, established. <laughs> um, and I probably make as many drift punches as I do swords because they deform very very quickly. <laughs> yeah, um, 
at the at the cross sections you're working at, like I, I imagine they're single use. <laughs> yeah, I mean you, you do end up reprofiling them a lot, but then I I do get a piece of steel to sit the guard on because otherwise the anvil sucks the heat out of it so quickly mm. it's practically yeah it, it doesn't even glow red for longer than a second um but i have seen the, there's another um there's a blacksmith i follow um i think called uh, javos ironworks who uses a yep. lot of induction forges and i saw one of their posts recently and they've got a basically like a wand attachment uh for yeah. it where it's the coil and it comes out and they can basically pass it over things and it's like it's like magic Oh yeah, yeah, no, he uh, yeah. he does a lot of like uh, flat plate work and magic. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Just boggles the mind. Um, yeah. We actually um, not re- quite recently did a, an episode where we discussed uh, induction forges and their usability because like neither Zach nor I have used induction forges, but there mm. are a lot of like pros and cons to them, and that was oh, something definitely. I did want to discuss a little bit with you because you do it a lot. Um, and obviously, with the size of work that you're working with, like that's one of the main advantages is because you're working with normally quite narrow stock. You don't have to worry about using like a three phase um, induction forge. Like you can get away with using the single phase versions. Um, Do you find like any issues with um, like either a cooling or B um, the service life? Like the, um, I can't even remember the phrase at the moment. Um, It'll come to me in a minute, but anyway, Any issues uh, that you run into using the induction forge? So users, um, so we're on 13 amp mains here as our kind of domestic uh, supply, um, except for like things like cookers. Um, so I have a 16 amp co- uh, ring for the cooker. Um, so that's what I've got uh, just to run the induction forge off. So I, it is possible to wire my machine up because I think it's only a 15 watt um, onto a 13 amp um, socket and just put it through the domestic deck. Um, and what I was finding was that if you use it for more than five seconds, um, it will trip the power. You need to replace a fuse in the, in the plug, uh, which is it's not a great way to <laughs> yeah, kind of run your business. Yeah. So um, I've got it set up now on a, on a uh, 16 amp uh, ring. I do need to upgrade the breaker uh, to like a 20 amp one, because if I use it on something too big for too long, I still get the issue where it trips the power supply. Um, but as far as the, uh, yeah, so that's that's just me economizing the use of it. As far as it goes as, as an actual piece of kit, it's uh, pretty much bulletproof. I mean, I've never got it to overheat. I'm probably, I'm, I'm not that savvy with tech or machines. Um, so I'm probably not using it to like a you know, fraction of its capabilities. Um, so the machine itself has a secondary unit, which is basically the cooler. It pumps coolant liquid um, around through the coils. Um, so it doesn't get, uh, yeah, I haven't had any issues with it overheating, um, especially with the work that I'm doing. Probably doesn't put a huge demand on it. Um, is that integral to the system? Like, um, does the pump, is the pump a part of the induction forge or is that second separate? Uh, so it's a second unit. So both of them are about the size of a, let's say like a PC tower. I don't really know what the reference would be these days um, because computers are different sizes but um yes yeah, so yeah kind of substantial but not huge you can pick it up um and it's two units that kind of joined together by hoses and one of them is the pump and all it does is just pumps uh liquid through the pipes that run through um the induction forge burner itself um and then with that you can replace the coils with different types they do different sizes as well um you can bend your own coils you can do things like yeah kind of re- um cylindrical coils taco co- uh, twists and things like that um 
And it also has loads of different settings as well. So you can get it just to give you a solid heat. You can do it, make it pulse. You can make it do it in you know, kind of bit, 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 bit. And what that can do is if you're heating a larger piece of material, it can actually give the heat um, a bit of time to diffuse through the um, piece so that you don't end up with like a, you know, a white hot exterior and kind of like a slightly harder cool core. Um, yeah, because it's so, sort of like, because it's like a microwave almost, you don't yeah. want to, you know, you don't want to burn your outside while you're, you know, it's freezing cold on the inside. Exactly. And then um, the other cool thing is that you really do get minimal forge, uh, uh, forge scale. So um, mm-hmm. if you like making things with a forged finish, um, it's really, it's, yeah, you, you lose a real minimum of material um, and you can get a nice clean finish, uh, minimal brushing as well. Um, and it also means that if you do use it to do any forge welding with, um, so I've recently been making bill hooks where I start off with a, um, a, a tiny tube of mild steel that I insert a rod of um, high carbon steel into um, and then forge weld that together to make the socket. And I find that's cleaner at this um, scale than doing kind of the, the fan method where you, you kind of fan out uh, the material for the socket, you roll it up and then forge weld that together. Because um, when you get yeah. to that thickness or thinness rather, um, you're not going to have a great time forge welding that together. Um, so you can do that kind of weld um, using using the induction forge, and you don't even need any flux. Um, it's pretty much mm. yeah instant. You can get it all white hot, um, and yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll literally take one or two passes because you can just get the heating so precise on that area um, that it almost is instant. Yeah, nice. incredible. Yeah. Um. So, like, have you noticed a significant uptick in your uh, your electricity bill? Like, you know, obviously it's drawing a lot more power than yeah. your average, you know, um, it's, it's, toaster. <laughs> <laughs> it's not huge, to be honest. I mean, it uses uh, second for second. Um, obviously, it's, it's, it's a lot more hungry than, um, you yeah, know, kind of if, you, if you're talking kind of kilojoules per zap uh, than a propane forge. But you're only using it during those specific moments. Um, mm. that you're heating up your metal. So whereas if you spend an hour forging um, using a propane forge, you use an hour's worth of propane. Or, yeah, you're using... True. I know you can mm. economize more with like a coal or a coke or a, car- or a charcoal forge, but um, you're burning fuel all the time when you're not working on it. So yeah. when I do an hour's worth of forging using an induction forge, um, I'm probably yeah using that thing solidly for like five minutes or something like that. So it's a tiny yep. spike. So over the course of my working day, um, I yeah, I, I don't have to spend, uh, I've, I've put it this way, I've made a 13 kilo tank of propane um, last me for about two years uh, that I only use for emergencies, uh, heat treating bigger things maybe. Um, so it's definitely, um, <laughs> it's, it's definitely saved me a few pennies. I'm just imagining you heat treating bigger things than what you already make. I'm just thinking like, what, like maybe a toothpick or a, a butter knife. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, talk, talking about holes at holes in knowledge, um, I did get round to making, yeah, kind of my, I won't call it my first because I've had several failed attempts to do it, but like a, a full size uh, arming sword um, this year. Mm. Um, I actually got Alex Steele to heat treat it for me because I didn't have a tank of oil big enough. Um, yeah. But this is, uh, I had to resort to a, um, yeah, to, to a full size forge, a gas forge to do that one because it's not going through my, um, my induction forge. And I managed to do a few kind of uh, like 
filleting knives through it with that quite narrow um mm -hmm. and it works okay for those as, as well um, but again the heat when you get to that size um, because the heating of an induction forge is very localized even in like mm. a longer coil uh, you're not yeah. quite going to get to that you know critical temperature it's fine for forging but for heat treating it won't quite reach that uh, for something full size yeah at least not with the the lower power ones yeah yeah and with yeah the lack of ambient heat as well you've, you're heating up one there yeah. and then by the time you've heated up yeah you know, an inch down the blade that original part is already kind of a dull red and i suppose like you know it'd be worse uh, this time of year especially as you're moving into winter um mm. over there in the uk the cooler it gets in the ambient era it's going to be the, the faster everything's the going to cool down exactly i mean yeah. I, I, got, I got my little heater i have my rock wool but um i mean, I, I insulated the place mainly to um yeah avoid any eye with the neighbors um mm -hmm. and it's had the um yeah kind of in, kind of nice side effect that it is actually quite comfy to work in this year but um you do notice That's i mean good. yeah you, you might go in there and uh, there are dew drops on the anvil um just from yeah. the station overnight <laughs> And the, like, yeah, obviously uh, the anvil being another question is, you know, it's a giant heat sink and the cooler it is, the faster things will cool down on it as well. Um, but like, I'm glad you brought up Alex Steele because um, that was something that I was, I was quite pleased to see right after I started following you was that Alec uploaded a video featuring yourself. Um, what was, what was that like? How did, you know, what was, uh, how did you end up running into Alec? Uh, so it was really cool, actually. So um, just by happenstance, we we happen to kind of be neighbours, yeah. Um, in like we're both right. we're both from Norfolk. Um, I'm in Norwich. Um, his workshop's sort of probably about twenty ish minutes out of Norwich. Um, yeah, right. So and it's always one of the questions that you get asked. Um, yeah, if people <laughs> know that you blacksmith, yeah, do you know Alex Steele? Have you met Alex Steele? Have you listened to Alex Steele? Uh, mm -hmm. And he's kind of become synonymous with blacksmithing. Um, and actually, I'm I'm actually terrible at reaching out to people. Um, I wouldn't have dared <laughs> uh, to say, well, hello, can we? Do <laughs> yeah, um, just yeah, because I'm I'm naturally a bit of a shy and awkward human. But I've actually got a friend um, in Australia uh, called Damien. He uh, runs a charity called Little Warrior Shields. Um, and yeah. uh, he donates you know, kind of foam-crafted shields to sick children in hospital. Um, uh, discovered him completely by chance online. Um, and he actually messaged uh, Alex Steele, or rather Jamie, um, who works with Alec. And um, at the time, I was a little bit mortified. You know, it's like when you're 15 and your friend goes over to the girl that you like, <laughs> and it's like, oh, you know, my, my friend wants to, wants to dance with you. <laughs> Do you like him? And uh, yeah, and you're there just kind of like, oh, and hiding. And, you know, um, yeah, which is, yeah, super nice. And it was um, completely, yeah, un unprompted as well. You know, just um, he just messaged him saying, "Yeah, have you have you heard of this guy? He lives near you. You should, you should do something together." Um, and I didn't think anything would come of it, but then I heard from um, heard from Jamie. We, we sorted something out, and uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was kind of terrified, you know, because uh, yeah. Alex is a very <laughs> bombastic uh, character, yeah, kind of in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. and, um, I, I, I'm only mildly exuberant at the best of times, so um, <laughs> I was slightly ter terrified that there would be this kind of really strange mismatch of characters on the on the camera. Um, but you know, he, he's actually a very, very mellow uh, and, and, and quite humble person. Um, yeah, kind of off the camera, and we had some had some really nice chats. Uh, it was really cool to work with and see exactly how um, yeah he does it. And um, it's, it's, it's I, th I, th I think the what it did highlight is that 
working everyone on their kind of maker journey when they learn their skills we all have very different ways um especially when you know maybe there hasn't been like a formal training or at least not the same kind of formal training um Mm. we have very different methods of approaching the same situation and um as, as as I said, there is yeah. I have some very very embarrassing holes in my knowledge. Um, <laughs> yeah, and some some things that yeah, kind of you would expect an apprentice to do. Um, I yeah, I wouldn't know where to start. Um, <laughs> but being able to kind of show him my little tricks, learn his little tricks, um, it was it was just a really cool experience and um, first time uh, actually ever making Damascus by hand successfully as well. It's something very I cool. obviously obviously when I when I first started uh, blacksmithing in my uh, butane forge, uh, that was the first thing <laughs> I tried to do. I tried to make yeah, a, yeah. You know, a block of Damascus the size of my head, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it went about as well as you could imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and it's something we talk about on the show quite a bit is that like in this craft specifically being blacksmithing, you could spend your entire life from birth to death learning about blacksmithing and still not have scratched the surface of the various and many things you can learn within the craft um you know like there's there's never really an end to the amount of knowledge you can pick up in this craft and that's what we love about it so much um and so yeah like i i I love the fact that you had that opportunity like it, it does kind of tend to happen that way i think all of us have had a similar experience where we've lived near or like have known of another blacksmith and kind of go yeah no i'm not bothering that person that's terrifying <laughs> and then it eventually is, it is pretty scary to reach out. <laughs> yeah. like in my case i didn't really get in touch with my community for the first five years i was swinging a hammer until i uh, um until i actually became a full-time bladesmith and went to my first knife show and met a bunch of these people <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, you um, find your people yeah, that's it. And they were kind of like, who the fuck are you? And why, why are you here? And I'm like, ah, I like sharp things. Um, I but just yeah, showed so, up to uh, a hammer in. And that's it, yeah. Just, I was the greenhorn. I didn't, I didn't do much before that. I was like, oh, yeah, what are you doing? Oh, I'm making a knife. Like, okay, can I watch? <laughs> yeah, this, my nightmare community... going to a hammer in and failing to make a hook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, every time, every time I do a demo, I just I am convinced that I'm going to forget to how to blacksmith. I'm just going to like completely lose my ability to swing a hammer, and I'm just going to completely muff it. Um, but yeah, no. One of my favorite things in that video, because um, you know, like I, I I will admit I don't watch a lot of Alex content anymore, um, mainly because I don't have a lot of time. But I took time out to watch your episode with him and your mini mill is something that I freaking love. I love that thing. I want one. That has been a game changer. It's um, so <laughs> What I learned is it's actually, I think it's mostly used for making circuit boards with. Um, right. You can actually, you can hook it up to a, to a Raspberry Pi um, and turn it into a CNC machine as well. Um, <laughs> uh, which is something I, I'll, I'll never do that, but somebody else might do that and uh, unlock its true potential. But um, it's an incredible piece of kit. So um, one issue I was having with my swords um, was, obviously, I, I use a punch to kind of get the tang slot and to get a hole through a pommel. Um but I was using a drill press and um, mm-hmm. it's that side to side motion. So um, 
having to kind of drill a couple of holes and then using like a Dremel rotary tool to sort of get them together. Um, it worked, but the it was always files. it was always messy. Yeah, ne- the dreaded mm. needle files. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, with a with, with with a mini mill, you can basically get like a millimeter wide wide slot. And I go through, um, yeah, I go through milling bits like tea bags. They are um, so so fragile. And uh, although think... Croxton, who makes the um, unit, they do have their official craft grade, which are really good quality, um, mm. but you can off ebay buy these cheap ones from china that are yeah kind of half (laughs) half the quality but they're a tenth the price so i just buy them on mass reforged bicycle tires and stuff yeah yeah Yeah. and then yeah kind of the 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 bits from them once once the inevitably the actual um what's it called the shank the shaft the shanks break um the shafts they they live on as daggers so yeah (laughs) I, I think the thing for me was like when when I think of a, a mini mill, quote unquote, um, I'm thinking of like the optimum mills, which um, you know, if for anyone who watches ClickSpring will know um, what an optimum mill, you know, kind of size thing is. I've never seen a mill that's the size of a stand mixer, you know, like <laughs> when when you kind of revealed this like almost one sixth scale perfect stand mixer sized mill, I was kind of like. There's no freaking way that's an actual machine that you can put buy. it in the vice of the Bridgeport Mill like Again, I love mini things. And so, like, the moment that I, that just tickled me, and I'm like, I need one of those in my life. I still need to go and fit, find out if I can get them shipped to Australia because. Uh, it's yeah. an incredible piece of kit. I mean, it is. Um, it, it it just it's one of these things. It just works. Um, they're really good. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a little bit. Yeah, kind of. I, I think if if you're used to using like a bridge port or something like that, you'll find it's going to be on the on the flimsy side. Um, but it, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, goes, it is the size of a stand mixer. I mean, you're like yeah. <laughs> you're not, and it goes to you're not like twenty thousand RPM or something like something silly like that. And it, it does Jesus. it does mill through. Yeah, kind of carbon steel. Um, mm. And it goes it goes through brass like butter. And it's um, it's, it's just a really like incredible piece of kit because you can just do these really fine narrow slots um yeah and um yeah so from, that's been one of those things you, when you unlock a piece of kit and it suddenly elevates your work because uh what you were doing before was kind of like it felt like making do um mm. so one of the um things i used to have to do um uh for making like wheel pommels um so my favorite kind of pommel is a pipe uh, type j so it's kind of like your wheel pommel except for it's got this divot in the middle so if you look at yep. uh from the side it's almost like a little volcano um and there's a french sword maker i follow on instagram i'm not sure if i'll get his name right uh, is it gail faber or something like that um uh, gail Fab, and yeah terrifying yeah Fab, right terrifyingly um good skill like yeah kind of he forges to yeah <laughs> to the point where he yep. only has to remove like a gram of material and uh, he forges these pommels and halves um and then he'll somehow manage to kind of weld forge weld them together uh, whilst keeping the tang slot uh yeah which will basically have the shoulders and then the thinner bit for the threaded end of the t- tang to go through and that's still intact and um with a little bit of file work and it's it just boggles my mind and so trying to figure out how to reverse engineer that um in miniature i ended up basically started off by yeah kind of cutting like a disc trying to stamp them or uh, dye them into shape Mm -hmm. um using a jeweler's um, saw to kind of cut the uh, slot Um, and then uh, i ended up soldering these two halves together 
um, yep. which was incredibly laborious. Uh, now I can do the same <laughs> thing <laughs> uh, using using the uh, mini milling machine to you know, cut a hole through, uh, widen the shoulder slightly. Um, it's not a quick process by any means, but it's so much quicker now that it's just a single piece. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, like Gail's work is is just ridiculous. Like uh, I've I've used him as an inspiration on the on the show before, uh, because yeah, he he's a nutcase. Like we <laughs> we've we been new, um, and he's, but, he's he's not even old as well. It was the most no, I know. Thing. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, I hate that. <laughs> but yeah, um, no, he he he's great. But um, yeah, no, like I, I think one of my most the most fascinating things about your work. Uh, and I, I like kind of alluded it to it at the beginning was the fact that you do go out of your way to try and recreate historical examples or like a, as close as you can in scale. Mm. And that's something that you don't see a lot of. Like you, there's miniature swords everywhere. Like you go to China and you'll see a million different buster swords that are, you yeah. know, like one sixteenth scale uh, and stuff like that. But there's not a lot of people going out there making replica, like one sixteenth scale replicas. Yeah. Um, do you, like so? Did you specifically move into that because of a a certain thing, or was it like because you just wanted swords, or was it like you have a passion for the history as well? Because obviously, being in the UK, there is so much history there. Mm. Uh, I think it was a little bit of everything. I mean, I am a guilty of being a huge nerd. Um, always <laughs> been, yeah. Uh, oh, there's none of those yeah. around here. No, we're, no what are no, those? I haven't heard of nerds. <laughs> I mean, you know, kind of grow, grow, growing up on like the Sword and the Stone, Lord of the Rings, uh, yeah, and King Arthur, um, and uh, yeah, kind of fantasy and medieval is my crack. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. When when I wanted to start beating metal, um, you know, the one thing I wanted to make above anything else was swords. And, um, yeah, I'm a bit of a magpie as well. So originally they were just my fun little <laughs> trinkets. Um, Shiny. Yeah. You can't mm-hmm. walk around uh, the streets with a sword at your hip anymore. Um, but a little yeah. one in your pocket is okay. Um, as long as yep. you don't fall over, you don't, you know, ride your bicycle on a cobbled street <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, and I've always been like massively inspired by history. I, I live in Norwich and, um, yeah, cause there's the castle museum, uh, quite near us, the place we actually got married in um, a couple of oh, months nice. ago now. Uh, two months to a couple of days ago, actually. Um, and they've got a, thank you. Um, they've got a piece in there called the Thorpe Falchion, um, which is a pretty well known. Um, well, it's it actually it was uh, basically preserved in I think the River Wye, which was about 250 meters or so from where um we used to live um not probably not the exact point but at least the river um yeah. and it's, it's kind of it's pretty unique cause it, it's only got a fuller on one side um yeah it's, yeah kind of one of these kind of like quite slender like clip point uh falchions um and on the yeah. other side um it's just basically you know kind of the beveled edge but they've got um what looks like a kind of carving chisel chisel mark um in the shape of a hook and it comes down to basically uh where the ricasso uh, might be um and their theory is that it's basically an instruction of where you sharpen it from um yeah. which i think is a lie i think it was some red-faced yeah. apprentice who screwed it up um so badly <laughs> and yep. they managed to critically succeed a persuasion check and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and then it became history um but that's something i've done a couple of versions of and um the pommel of this sword it's the it's, it's cast in bronze um 
and all the photographs of it are really blurry it looks like it could be a goblin it could be a duck it could be a dragon um it might even be a swan because it's you know a marshy kind of area it's always um, the way isn't it you know wonderful <laughs> cameras and just not enough pixels <laughs> exactly yeah. um <laughs> so I'm, I'm talking to the uh, museum at the moment because they're doing a lot of renovations and uh, one of the things they're doing with a lot of local artists is um getting people to you know artists to kind of sell things through their gift shop based on their exhibits so um there's been a couple so there's that one uh, the shouldham sword uh which is this beautiful iron age piece with like an anthropomorphic hilt um and it's mm. all sort uh, forged out of yes. a solid piece as well um so i've ended up uh, calling them to when i was trying to make a miniature version of that to see if it had a butt crack uh, on the, on the back side because <laughs> yeah. uh you see it in the in the display case and it's only from the front um and I, I did get a check for me um and it didn't and my first thought was why why wouldn't you um so there's yeah. a couple of pieces, uh, but the rest of their medieval collection is currently all under wrap um, because uh, the whole place is being renovated. So as soon as uh, we can get back there, and I'm, I'm trying to wangle a sort of backstage pass there while it's all um, White glove you know, time. under construction, mm. just just to see if there's anything else. But um, in the meantime, I, I, I try and get to the Wallace collection um, at least once or twice a year as well because there's some like really you know, fantastic pieces in there, and I've taken some sketches. Mm. Um, one piece in there that I'm really inspired by is the sword of um, St. Christoph, which is this uh, massive you know, ceremonials Y-hander. Um, it's got like tassels, it's got like a flame blade, you know, like a flamberge blade. Um, and they yeah, got some incredibly beautiful pieces there that are really well preserved. Um, and it's just interesting to see um, kind of where... Yeah, kind of the little gaps are and where the imperfections are where you can still see kind of scratches uh, from yeah like a stone grinder or where someone might have just yeah kind of misplaced a chisel um you can see yeah. the history in the blade the story in the blade and and the funny thing as like well is things. that back then um you yeah a swordsmith wouldn't complete a sword from start to finish you know you, you, you yeah. get a place that made the blades a place that made yeah you know, the pommels and and the and the guards a person that would yeah you know, make the scabbard wrap the handle um and you can kind of see that's evident in a lot of these pieces uh which is the difference between those and, and modern sword makers where the goal is to make everything look as yeah kind of flush and uh yeah as as, as, as kind of uniform as possible uh, mm. like it was meant to be but you can see um you know that clearly this guard wasn't made with this sword in mind they just happened to be the best fit at the time yeah it's like the like, uh, like they're retracing the template and over and over and over again but they keep tracing the new bit rather than the the use the, the template. slightly wider each time <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> quite quite famously the uh, the wallace sword quote unquote at the wallace museum uh is like an amalgam of like six different swords yes. <laughs> um it's it, like they, they say it was William Wallace's sword, but it's it's a long sword that probably didn't exist at the time in the first place. The blade's made of at least three different pieces of steel. The guard is from the 16th century. The pommel's from like the 18th century. Yeah. <laughs> so someone just slapped this thing together and went, yeah, yeah William Wallace's sword. <laughs> and the, the bad thing for like, yeah, people to, like, especially collectors to pick through today is that there was like a massive resurgence in like the 18th century where you get all these people just hodgepodging all these different bits and bobs together. Yeah. So when you look now at, you know, what looks to be a medieval sword and you think to yourself, well, actually that's that from that century. That's from that century um yeah so it's, it's it's interesting going there and yeah there's some pieces in there that i could never hope to yeah um to uh reverse engineer in miniature um but mm. there's a lot of pieces um and as i've been experimenting recently with a few of the complex hilted um long swords um yeah a few of the rapiers and trying to figure out 
a good way to get basket hilts and swept hilts. Um, yeah. I don't envy you trying wire. to do that in miniature. <laughs> it's it's hard. It's hard enough doing it in full scale. <laughs> yeah. um, but I then also not... like the um, little little parts, and, and sorry, you, you got me going now. Um, there's <laughs> That's all right. a couple That's of the side swords, uh, side swords where you can see in the fullers they've done um, yeah, kind of punch works, and these there's little mm. holes, decorative holes. And I couldn't do them with my mini mill. Um, this, I, I, I can get a half mill hole just about, and these holes look. Yeah, you know, if there wasn't a light shining behind it, you couldn't see them. I, so <laughs> yeah. part of me is thinking of you know some poor you know kind of like thirteen year old Florentine blacksmith's apprentice, you know, kind of like sweating over the stand trying to yeah with the artisanal kind of like drill bits that probably get made yep. in a different workshop, and fearing the master's whip. You know, <laughs> like if they break <laughs> one more of these priceless things to make an equally priceless sword um because yeah it's, it's part of the um yeah I've, I've got the industrial might of you know kind of uh, alibaba to kind of supply me with <laughs> <art> <laughs> yep yeah lovely i i <laughs> yeah i i do have great a great passion for recreating like traditional methods of of work and sometimes i'm like god i am very thankful for battery powered drills mm-hmm. you know like just, <laughs> just the, the simplest of things can sometimes make a huge difference um but yeah no like I, I i do admit to being slightly envious of the fact that you can go to these like ancient museums of like artifacts and and in some cases like the tower of london and at the wallace collection get to go behind the scenes and actually like hold some originals whereas here in australia this is, that just doesn't exist yeah we, don't, <laughs> yeah we just don't have that kind of history you do have crocodiles though so it kind of even i mean <laughs> well, I mean, some places have crocodiles. There's no crocodiles in, in Perth. That's <laughs> all of the northern. That's all like five. That, that's all like three Englands away. Um, yeah. You know, you, know <laughs> you can fit the UK entirely into yeah. like WA like five times. So uh, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, when we when we have like space and freedom, but it takes like two hours to cross the freaking oh, yeah, metropolitan yeah. area of our city. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like a, a two and a half hour drive, like here is, yeah, it's it's it's, it's like an annual event. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a Wednesday, mate. <laughs> oh, the the driving over there is just unreal. The the narrow yeah. roads and the the stop pulling up and seeing them come around the corner and just pulling over, letting them pass and keep going. It's just yeah, it's crazy. It's it's it gets your blood pumping. That's for sure. <laughs> I, think, I think that the most British thing is when you are driving through. Um, Oh god, is it, is it Dorset? But basically, ninety percent of the people who see Stonehenge, uh, they accidentally drive past it, and like the slogan <laughs> yeah. of Stonehenge should be, "Oh, that's Stonehenge," uh, because <laughs> you basically got like a like a dual carriageway bypass. Um, and if you want to get if you want to get to actual Stonehenge, you have got to go down a whole series of lanes. There's a car park. You walk to it across a you know, field. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, you know something like fifty meters away, uh, you got a road that's prone to get congested. So you just sit there thinking, like, ah, oh, Stonehenge. Huh. <laughs> there it is. Yep, <laughs> that's there what it is. is. Uh, I remember that it's, when it's, we went over there and we saw it. It was it was exactly that, and I thought that was just hilarious. <laughs> it's it's a very it's a very whelming artifact. You're not overwhelmed. You're not <laughs> underwhelmed. I mean, yeah. But the the most magnificent and remarkable thing about it is just how close to the road it is, and you can see it for free. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> I, I do like that juxtaposition of this like ancient monument to like Iron Age Britain 
and like in every movie that you see it it's like this peaceful like serene <laughs> rolling hills around it and i just you know, like juxtaposing that with modern day where it's like you're you're standing there and you've got some like you know <laughs> norden lorry driver like get the hell away <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's it <laughs> With the um, ghost of a druid standing on a nearby hilltop, you know, a single tear <laughs> running down his grizzled old cheek. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, so. But yeah, no, like um, having access to history and all that kind of stuff, I, I'm I'm super super uh, jealous of that. But I'm glad that you're taking the approach that you are taking to your work, and in that. Uh, you know what your approach do you have any projects that you're like hoping to make in the future something that you've been wanting to make for a long time or something that you like recently discovered what's what's uh what's like a dream project for you i mean i've got a list of everything i mean everything is my dream project I've, I've, and I've, I've got my i've, I've got my my favorites that i want to make and I, I guess there's not enough hands or hours in the day to do everything that i want to so my biggest mm. interest has always been you know european medieval straight cruciform hilt type swords uh yeah long swords arming swords um i love the evolution of them um i've got a uh, book by uh Ewart oakshot um the sword in the age of chivalry which is the most yep. boring book you'll ever read and it's you can just like the, 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 the freaking you know, the the the, the way it reads, you can just imagine this kind of like dusty tweed clad old guy just mumbling into his chest, you know, kind of. Um, but it's it's so helpful. And, and the, the illustrations are crap as well. They're so unhelpful. Yeah, um, terrible. I, but and like it, most people come across you at, sorry to cut across you there. Yeah. Um, most people come across you at Oakshot with the typologies of swords, like mm-hmm. the type 18, the type 15, all that kind of stuff when we talk about European swords. Uh, that's where it comes from is the Ewart Oakshot's uh, typology. So most people that pick up the book kind of go, ah, yes, this must be like the best book ever. And (laughs) yeah, no, it turns out to be dry as hell. And even in the foreword, you know, he admits that it's kind of, te- yeah, to take it with a huge pinch of salt, because, like, there are exceptions yeah. uh, throughout history, and, yeah, the whole paradox is that a bladesmith might make something, might make a sword blade, and it only gets hilted, you know, kind of, like, 50 you know, years later, and then re-hilted, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then uh, ground down into something different, so... Um, so, yeah, so so my real passion, and what I'd really love to do is basically make the Oakshot typology from, yeah, kind of the late Viking era right to the Renaissance era um, and everything in between. I mean, as it is, if I could only make one type of tiny sword, um, it's the Type 14. I love really simple. I mean, it looks like a kid's drawing of a sword in some ways, but, you know, it's, yeah. A, yeah, it's your classic kind of brold sword. It's, uh, yeah, kind of yeah. fairly <laughs> relatively short, wide blade, lovely, like, really good good filler, swift, yeah, kind of um, a, a kind of curvy hilt, single-handed, um and that's probably my favorite type but i've got tons of your requests i call it like wonderwalling you know like when when like uh you, mm-hmm. you see like a, a busker or, a, or, or an open mic someone saying like he's got a request and everyone's like wonderwall do we play wonderwall and like <laughs> I, I, I get wonderwalled to do katanas um constantly yep. and um they, they are fun to make you know and like obviously i you, you, you can't be a sword nerd without massively appreciating um yeah kind of the meticulous construction and that's yeah that's a different conversation uh, entirely yeah, yeah. um and there are some steps you can make 
do to make it as authentic as possible. I'm not, you know, folding, you know, the Tom Hagane and, yeah, kind of uh, a million to get a million layers but, or anything like that. But why not? <laughs> um, but uh, also, you know, I, I, I want to do more um, Chinese builds as well. You know, that's uh, part of my upbringing. Um, uh, my, my dad's Chinese and was a um, oh, still is a you know, martial arts practitioner. So um, right. did grow up with a lot of swords and never had a any kind of aptitude for martial arts myself. But um, <laughs> yeah, kind of going in you know, the living room, there were like yeah, a stack of like yeah, kind of like dowels and uh, jams and everything uh, hanging up. And one of the first full size builds I ever made was a guandao, which is uh, mm. basically like it's it's like a glaive. Um, you know, so it's like a pole arm. It's probably only about four or five foot tall um but you've got this huge like kind of blade with a back hook and a tassel um and like a kind of fan spike on the butt um and yeah which was at the time i had no business making something that size or that <laughs> complex and just by sheer sheer fluke it happened to work um so I've always wanted to do some kind of uh, project for Lunar New Year. Um, and there's a lot of like amazing, this kind of almost like Cambrian explosion of like different types of Chinese weapons. Um, whether any of them had actual, any military application or if they're designed purely for like martial arts and theater, um, it's hard to say. But there's, again, I, th- I think the kind of Chinese, um, yeah, kind of weapons um you know kung fu weaponry is is actually really under uh, represented and you know kind of and uh, underappreciated and if you've ever read anything like um you know kind of journey to the west uh with uh, sung wukong the monkey king um going through all the yeah there's, they they describe in a lot of uh, details uh, yeah apart from his like iron banded cudgel which is this quarter staff that he can basically shrink to the size of a toothpick or he can mm-hmm. grow essentially to the size of a galaxy um and it weighs yeah kind of over a thousand metric tons and and, uh, you know, he can, with it, he can then pull his hair off and turn it into lots of different staffs and monkeys. And um, so little kind of mythical, yeah, because um, the Chinese culture d- does tend to kind of like, someone say over mythologize a lot of, uh, yeah, kind of mundane things. But um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of very, very inspiring builds um, that I want to get to. So uh, the most recent one I made uh, was uh, the, and I can't remember the name of it, um, which was the nine ring saber. So it's like a Dao saber yeah. um, and it's got these rattly rings and whether those were like purely decorative or if they were to add weight or if they were to catch a weapon or just like add to the you know vibrations when you clang weapons with them. Um, but it's a really, yeah, really unique piece. Hmm. I, I do have a, a great love for oxtail Dao um, mm. specifically. They're, they're a beautiful sword. So I would love to see more of those from you. Absolutely. Thank you and uh, yeah in the meantime i'm getting requests for buster swords and master swords <laughs> and uh things from animes that i've never heard of <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> so you know so uh, there's, there's, there's work there's work and there's play you know like uh, I'll, I'll spend a lot of time um if, if i had my way i'd be doing 90 percent historical builds um and I do still have a love for fantasy swords. Uh, I prefer my own um, <laughs> designs. Um, yeah. you know, I, I, I tend to, yep. yeah, I do a little bit of illustration and stuff on the side, and I like designing things to be made. Um, and the problem you get, and you guys must have probably also come across this before, is that when you get a commission for a sword that's from a fantasy or a fiction, um, <laughs> actually, it wasn't designed by a sword maker. <laughs> um, and no. I think that's this is where I actually have a real <laughs> soft spot for the witch. <laughs> um series video game swords because 
they actually look and they're built like swords. But you get a request for something. So there's a you mentioned the Buster Sword, which you know for, for yeah. anybody who wasn't aware of it is like an ironing board and a meat cleaver had a baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There is a Backward. kind of spin-off um, where there's like an the next generation of the Buster Sword, which is basically seven or eight swords that kind of slot together like a freaking mega yeah. sword. And yeah, the, the it's like the Ultima <laughs> Buster or something like that. I, I can't yeah. remember what it's called. But... <laughs> X2 or something like that. Um, yeah. And yeah, I got, I got a request for that. And I actually, I, I considered it. Um, yeah, because I am a sadist. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And it, it just got to the point where I was just like, you know, if, if I was to make this, and I'm not sure if I can make this, I, and, and in fact, I'm, I'm fairly sure I can't make this, I'd have to spend more time and charge you more money um, than I'd be comfortable doing. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I, yeah, I think it's something that you would have to get kind of laser cut out of sheets of you know, titanium or whatever. Um, yeah. I watched a video uh, online of somebody making it out of popsicle sticks uh, with magnets kind of laid in, which yeah, wow. looked very cool. Um, I've got a Stormbringer um, commission, um, <laughs> to do, which is basically looks like a million spiders joined <laughs> together into the shape of a sword. Um, Again, fairly accurate. And uh, yeah, there, there are different depictions of it. Um, so whether I can make it simple enough, and there's always that risk of if you get creative um, license from a uh, customer to do something in your style, whether you have to simplify it so much that maybe it's not what they had in mind. Um, yeah, and you like you lose the the spirit of the thing that you're trying to make in the exactly. beginning. Yeah. And and a lot of yeah, like like recently, I um, yesterday actually, I made a badish um, which is based on a tattoo, which was based on a um, you know medieval illustration, and uh, obviously a lot of yeah. medieval arts, the proportions are very stylized, um, and yeah. getting that to kind of flow and function and not look very cartoonish um, in real life is always an, yeah, it's, it's an interesting challenge while keeping uh, like yeah the spirit of that piece. Honestly, it looked fantastic. I, I saw that post before we before we got on here, and I was like, "Hell yeah, that's awesome!" Giant. It's it it is the the quintessential giant battle axe. Like we, we talk about how like Vikings act didn't have giant double headed battle axes, but the Bardish is as close. As, yeah, the Bardish is as close as you're going to get to one of those like comically mm. large battle axes. <laughs> Yeah, and I just I just love like yeah, kind of the halberds that you know, kind of they weren't really meant to be used. You know, kind of it's ones that the guards will cross and say halt as you try and enter the kitchen. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. State your business. Yeah, I've always I've always uh, appreciated how people look at uh, the anime and fantasy swords sort of style of things, and and it's just been one one thing that's not ever included in anime, and it should be pretty apparent is that physics don't exist. <laughs> um so that 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 adds a lot of weight to those swords and and weaponry involved in that <laughs> i remember yeah. that from the prop making days <laughs> i would like to see a study of like the buster sword because like it kind of looks like it's got elements obviously it's got elements of a katana in it in certain features but then also like if you look at like kind of some single-edged you know kind of viking mm. uh yeah kind mm. of swords and lance axes it in theory, I think it, somebody could make a yeah, kind of like a, a conveniently sized version of that. It would be obviously a lot narrower um, mm. and a lot more svelte uh, than the current. But I, I think that's a design that you could work with and actually make it into a functional piece. But again, who's going to pay you? Well, if well, anyone was going to do it, I think it'll be Mike, Michael Cthulhu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
He'd do it. <laughs> uh, stop. But yeah. Um, so anyway, we're actually coming up on the end of the show, unfortunately. Uh, we well, This has been great, Ben, and we'd love to have you back for another episode uh, to chat more about micro swords and, and small building. Which, Thank you, you know, I love this stuff. But um, Well, maybe we can they... uh, ponder some questions for, for having you back on, on the show again. Yeah, love absolutely. It. Yeah. Um, but if they, if people want to find you, where where where, where would they go to seek seek you out? Uh, so I am most active on Instagram, um, and you can find me at the Pocket Forge. Um, I am also present on the other in- internet, so you'll find me on Facebook, on TikTok, Threads, YouTube. Um, I don't go on Twitter; we don't go there. <laughs> um, uh, but most importantly, if you'd like me to eat and pay my bills, uh, I am on Etsy. Uh, so um, you can find me there. Just search for the Pocket Forge, and um, yeah, always happy for a chat. I'm always happy to talk about a um, yeah commission and you know things like that. Uh, I, I know I like to bitch about it, but uh, it's actually something I really enjoy doing as well. Um, but yeah, mostly find me on in- on Instagram. Excellent. Well. Um, if you guys, uh, listeners at home, have any questions for us, you can fi- uh, you can send them to ask.forgecast at jmr.com. Next episode will be an email episode because we've got a bunch backlogged from while Zach was away. So um, if you want to get your question in, make sure you send it now so that we can get it in there. Um, That's it. Where can they find you, Zach? Uh, well, as always, you can find me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, talk and youtube under laughing fish forge and uh also to support my bills as well and so i can eat too is uh, etsy as well <laughs> but um over the uh christmas holidays uh hopefully i'll be actually trying to work on my own website too so that will mm. be incoming soon yes Excellent. how about you sam uh, well, you know, uh, I, I need to pay my bills, but there's basically nothing on Etsy, so you can find me on Facebook. As, you, know, you can find me on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Patreon, Redbubble, yeah, the underscore kitchen underscore sink on, YouTube, on TikTok, uh, and the Sandtown's Blazemith for the rest of the place. You want to find me. Um, but with that being said, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Thank you again, Ben, for coming on.